buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. What is happening, sales hustlers? Welcome to another episode. Today, I've got Mark Boundy here, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I know he is passionate about. Uh, He's got a book called Radical Value, and we're going to be talking selling value. What does that mean? And how to price things accordingly and not just discount to get the deal. Mark, welcome to Sales Hustle. Colin, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, You know, I think this is a topic we have not covered, so I'm excited to dig into it. I know it's something that you're pretty passionate about, so you're definitely qualified to talk about this topic. Uh, And before we jump in, just give us the short version of your sales story. Well, I'll give you this version, but all these podcast episodes, and we haven't talked about value. I think that missing, the fact that we haven't talked about it in that many episodes says something. So, all right, here's my story. Uh, I started out as a business leader, product manager. So maybe Mm -hmm. I've had an upside down career. I started out as a product manager with P&L responsibility, uh, then went uh, for other product management, then some sales leadership and sales jobs, and then sales leadership. Uh, Was a sales performance consultant with the biggest B2B sales training company forever. Mm -hmm. And I had some having had that P&L experience back in my past and understanding value in my past really colored how I looked at sales training, sales management, um, sales coaching when I was a sales performance consultant. And we used to, there was maybe 275 consultants like me around the world during the nine years I was a consultant for this company. And each of them had probably done over a thousand deal reviews with different salespeople at their clients. So think about that. There's over a quarter million deals and everybody, every single one said the overwhelming error, the overwhelming area where salespeople do worst is understanding what the customer wants to accomplish. Hmm. And value is the desirability of what the customer wants to accomplish. So remember, customers don't buy your product or service, they buy their own outcomes. How badly they want those outcomes is the value of your product or service. So if you don't know the outcomes, you don't know what the customer's results, you can't sell value. Mm. Now, why do you think that 
I think that a lot of salespeople have their own interpretation of what their value is or what their product's value is and, and, and assume, make a lot of assumptions that the prospect is going to value it the same way. You're absolutely right. And that's fatal error number three. Um, salt. Think about salt. Salt okay. is, right, it, it might be a low value thing if you live near the coast, but if in ancient times, if you lived inland, salt was invaluable, right? It was necessary for life. Salt as a food ingredient has a different value than salt as an industrial process equipment. And so salt, just salt, something as simple as and common as salt has different values to different people at different times. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm in an endurance, a long distance mountain bike ride, that same salt, when I start getting dehydrated, that salt yeah. could keep me alive. And how much is it? How much value is it to me, the same person at a different times of the day and different times and different points in my life? Yeah, at that point right there, I mean, you're willing to give up an arm for some salt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, okay. So, and and so why, why do you think that um, salespeople, you know, struggle so much with understanding, you know, what value it is to their prospect of what they do or what problem they're solving? Yeah, you know, I think it's a huge problem, but so many salespeople come by that failure, honestly. When you get hired in and onboarded to a company, you spent weeks learning the company's product, the company's solutions, the specs, mm -hmm. the speeds and feed, and all that stuff. And then you go out on your first couple sales calls, and you're not listening to what the customer says because you're still so self-conscious, but you're spewing out all that stuff you learned during your product training. Not because right. you think the customer needs it necessarily, but because you're so proud of what you know, right? And yeah, yeah. And and then you make a couple sales and you don't know that you don't see the result. And when people say, well, follow, you know, this senior guy around and do what he does, well, you don't know which parts of what a great salesperson does just by viewing, which parts are their personal style and which parts are the actual things that are the magic that are making them successful. And if you don't have anybody telling you, you see that bit, that conversation right there where they were talking to the customer about how the customer's gonna use it and how many dollars they want that, that, you know, that's not personal style. That's the elite selling behavior and it looks like personal style and it, is threatening to a lot of rookie salespeople to talk to the customer and have the customer estimate how many dollars that problem is for them. Um, right. We get we get scared of asking the customer, and that's that's what right, the elite people do. Right. Right. It's more of a consultative, you know, hey, we're in this together approach, and I think that a lot of salespeople, you know, want to have all the answers, right? So they're yeah. scared to out of just lack of confidence, they're scared to ask those types of questions. You know, there is a another book, I, I certainly recognize, re recommend my book, but there's another book called by um, author named Patrick Lencioni, it's called Getting Naked. 
and the it's written as a business novel as an allegory mm -hmm. and the idea is this really successful consultant um he didn't do all the preparation he just went in and asked some stupid yet insight and then some insightful questions yeah and got the customer talking about their world and what they wanted to accomplish and how they perceived their world and suddenly he was solving a little problems for free and then suddenly he was uh they said you know it's time to hire you and get your wisdom on a paid basis so that's mm. that's the book if in the the tldr version asking yes. simple questions being vulnerable and being innocent um remember two percent of gartner said that two percent of salespeople are viewed as trusted 16 percent or 83 percent don't understand of customers think that salespeople don't understand their business so think about how much better than 83 percent of your competitors you can get if you just just play a little bit open and vulnerable and ask some questions because that's what customers really want you to do. They want you to know them. They want you to get them. Wow, I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. 2%, 2% of salespeople are trusted? Maybe three, right? It's, <laughs> you, give, you give us an extra point there. <laughs> imagine two or 3% of salespeople are viewed as trusted advisors. Now, th here's the thing, right? When you sell a relationship, you think you're trusted, but you're liked. And this yeah. no like and trust, it's fine to be liked. It's fine to be known, but it's gold to be trusted. And yeah. when, you know, the old saw, you know, like when somebody buys from you, what are they buying? Oh, they're buying me. Well, no, I'm sorry. That's not true. No. Slavery is illegal. <laughs> they aren't buying you. They believe you, they're buying their own results for their own reasons. Yep. And because they like and trust you, they believe in the results you tell them about. Yeah, that's a little bit different. So relationship is important. Trust is important. But that's not what customers buy. They buy their outcomes. So once they trust you, that is permission to talk about what they're really buying. That's not what they're buying. Right. Because even if they know, like, and trust you, that's not enough to, that's not enough to get the deal. It's they're, they're, It's nice. And I would say even if, even if they don't like you, but you can provide a significant amount of value and they trust you can deliver that, still a good chance you're going to get that business. Yeah, Colin, you're absolutely right. I think we've all worked with a really great, high-performing President's Club salesperson who was a cold fish or kind of a prickly individual that nobody liked. Yeah. But everybody trusted. So if you think about relationship as kind of two chunks, two halves, and you break good, I have a good relationship into two chunks. One of is personal affinity. Do we like each other? Do I know their kids' birthdays? Um, do I know that they like, you know, what sports they like? Have we gone out to a game together? That's a personal affinity. And that's nice to have, but we also yeah. we know that there's salespeople who don't have any of that, but they're still successful. So that's really great to have, and it helps in a lot of circumstances, but it's not the critical deal killer. The other part of I have a great relationship is credibility. 
they're, they believe what I say and I, I, I right. do what I say I'm going to do. They know it. They trust me. They trust me to tell them the truth. That yeah. credibility, that's non-negotiable. And that credibility comes from the fact that you don't just know your stuff. You know their world. Yeah. You are the only person in the world who can't is capable of knowing their business and their your business, excuse me, and their product. Your customers, you know, we've done a huge disservice when we tell salespeople, oh, the customer has self-informed on the internet. So just ask them what they want and learn about the pain points they know about. Mm. That's a huge disservice because your customers will never know as much about your product or service as you do. That's why you spent so much time in your product training. You can't replicate that with some online web searches. You just can't. So your customer can't know everything about your stuff, which means the only person who can know how well your stuff delivers a customer their outcomes is the salesperson. It's your responsibility then to know about their business, their world, their situation, and how your stuff affects their world. That's your right. job as a salesperson. Right, right. And now there's a certain level of things that you need to know about the you know roles that you sell into, the industries that you sell into. But when you say no, like you need to be curious enough to, you know, back to that example, right, to ask the right questions, to get informed about all of that information, to then, you know, build that trust. And, and then if we go back to the other example you're talking about where a lot of people are, you know, are very product centric and, and they just kind of say yes to a lot of things and aren't willing to ask those questions, that hurts them significantly because you actually are building trust and rapport and credibility by maybe challenging your prospects thinking, making yeah. them consider yeah. something that they haven't thought of, or maybe telling them that their line of thinking is not right. No, you're absolutely right, Colin. I love exposing the customer to the idea of outcomes they hadn't envisioned, right? When we ask a customer, tell me about your pains, when we're uncovering yeah. pain, the only ones they can tell us are the ones that they already know as a, as a result of that simple, unimpressive, self-informing that they've done. Right. If we know their business, we can open their eyes to new outcomes. Here's a simple story, right? One client of mine sold commercial carpeting. So the carpeting that goes on the office floor. Yeah. And their carpet wears longer than a competitor. And so customers were used to buying and sales were used to selling on what I call dollars per year. If the carpet lasts 20% longer, you can sell mm -hmm. it for 19% more and the customer should buy it. And if you sell it for 15% more, the customer should really want to buy it. And until a, you know, a competitor dropped their price by 6%. And so that value, it was easy to, to understand by the customer, easy to sell. And that was what everybody bought and sold by without exposing the customer to the different kinds of outcomes. And so what we taught them to do was say, what's this carpet sitting underneath? And if the mm -hmm. answer was, hey, it's underneath our 24 by, by, you know, 24 by 7 by 365 customer service department, then the questions began, okay, so what happens when you replace a carpet underneath that customer service? Well, 
it's a two-day minimum interruption where we move all the furniture out, peel the carpet, clean the floors, replace the carpet, put the furniture back, and then we have to listen to my, you know, my internet doesn't work. You compute, hook my computer up wrong. Picture of my daughter's broken. Where's my University of Syracuse mug? Blah, 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 right? The business disruption and the cost of that business disruption underneath the customer service department, those costs are worth four, five, six times as much as the entire price of the carpet. So carpet that lasts 20% longer is worth infinitely more than the carpet that doesn't. And that was opening your customer's eyes up to the outcomes that they weren't envisioning when they were self-informing. And Mm. that seems really simple to think about business disruption, but customers don't do it without being guided. And salespeople don't guide customers through it without being told how. And it's, it's that simple, but we do that over and over for different clients. I help my clients find those kind of additional questions that help open the customer's eyes to different sets of outcomes that the same product provides. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of people selling carpets asking those type of questions. You know, it's more just what color do you want? We have, yeah. a, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, and, even, yeah, even and, if you, even if you think about like, if you don't replace the carpet and it looks like crap, you know, what experience are you delivering to the, to the, to the customers that are in there? If your, your, your place looks like a bit of a crap hole because your oh, carpet's yeah, all worn right? out. So you're, you're now you're starting to go through all the other ideas. And now think about that because the carpet is normally sold to uh, maybe the designer, uh, somebody in HR and the facilities person. But now if you go to the head of marketing and say, what happens when the carpet looks crappy and we have people in for marketing visits? You go to the manager of that 24 by 7, you know, the customer service manager, and you say, we can give your carpet fewer replacement cycles. What's that worth to you? So you're, we are taught to sell our products in B2B to a certain sets of personas, right? Certain, the buying committee. Yeah, But my product happens to have this higher wear, so I need to add people to the buying committee. I need to add the customer service manager to the buying committee because as soon as he catches wind of the fact that he's got 20% fewer replacement cycles, that person is going to make it game over for the entire buying committee. They'll get it, but they won't get it unless that customer service manager is in the room with them. So we've got to add that person to the buying committee. Wow. Wow. That, that's a, that's a great example because right there, not only is, is the salesperson in that example, asking some really deep questioning and, and, and having the prospect think about something that they probably had not considered or thought about. And probably no other salesperson at a competitor has even, you know, touched the surface of that. Also asking a level of questioning that brings a higher level of executive into the the buying committee that other you know sellers from other you know competitors are are not getting uh, getting done. I mean yeah. that separates you from the pack significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And now this carpet manufacturer often sold against a company that sold to the installers and the contractors. And what the value proposition they sold on is installed cost. We're going to drop ship that carpet on the minute you are ready to use it at your work site. So you're not going to have to handle that carpet. We'll drop ship it for you exactly at the right time. 
So, and we've got uh, installation instructions and we're gonna have the, you know, the adhesive and everything right there for you to reduce your cost of installation. A great competitive value proposition that was hard to sell against. And right. imagine you're the seller of that and you think you got the deal locked up until somebody comes from this longer wear and says, you know what, the customer service agent took it out of my hands. I never sold to that customer service agent, the customer service manager. I didn't think that was important. I sell to contractors and, and the installers. And suddenly, if you're the other guy, you feel like you had this deal won and you're cruising and you're feeling good. You're already thinking about how you're going to spend the commission yep. and the deal. Yep. Or you already spent it. Right. Or you already spent it. Right. The deal <laughs> like comes any out good from under your feet and you don't know what happened because what? The customer service manager killed my yeah. deal? I'm, yeah. I'm not supposed to talk to customer service managers. That's not in my sales process. That's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so think about that sales hustlers. How can you be curious enough to ask the right questions to get your prospects to, you know, significantly value whatever you do at a, at a level that requires bringing somebody else into the buying process. And, and, and that's how you can really separate yourself from other people, you know, that are, that are selling in that, that would not even think to ask those types of questions. I think, you know, um, I call, you know, asking for pain points. That's all of the expected pains and gains. But if you operate outside of that, when, when every seller is only selling to those same customer articulated pains and gains, yeah. uh, you're doing something I call fist fighting in a phone booth. Now, for the sales hustlers who are too young to remember phone booths, it's a small building, two feet by two feet and about seven feet tall. And if yeah. you're fist fighting somebody in it, it's too small to wind up and land a punch that actually hurts anybody. You don't have the room to maneuver to fight. And so when everybody is competing on the same things and the same criteria, you're fist fighting in a phone booth. Nobody can land a blow. And the only thing that happens is the biggest discounter wins. Mm. And that's evil. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's even, if we even take a step back there, there's even people that aren't even skilled enough to be focusing on pain, pain points. They're still focused on, you know, uh, selling based on what they learned in their product training. <laughs> barfing, yeah, barfing features. <laughs> yeah. So there's the barfing features. You know, maybe you you level up a little bit and you're, you're fist fighting in a phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> and you think you're improving. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. you are. Yeah. If you, well, you're improving from, from, from a not so great place, you know? Yeah. And, and so then the next level up is, 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 is what we're talking about here, uh, Mark. So, so, I mean, let's talk, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. We talked about, you know, about selling on value and, and asking these, you know, types of questions that, I mean, most people would never think of, um, but discounting, right? So, I mean, are you fully opposed to discounting? When does it make sense to discount and why? Let's, let's dig into that. Yeah. You know, every dollar you discount, your cost didn't change. So that dollar was a profit dollar. So when you're discounting, you're donating your profit dollars to your customers. Mm. And there's, there are good reasons to give your customer your profit dollars. 
but not nearly as many as most salespeople do. Um, And sometimes in a lot of cases, those profit dollars are given for for no reason at all, like none, other than to just win the deal. You're absolutely right, um, because we don't know any better. And we actually took an econ class that says when the price goes down, the amount demanded goes up. And that might be true in the global, but not for a given sale. When you sell, you're either worth your value or not. Price is, you you know, the old scale that Lady Justice has, the two pans that you kind of saw old miners. Think of that inside your customer's head. And on one pan is your price or your price premium. And on the other side is your value or the value that you have that your competitors don't. So in the carpet example, your price is the 20% price premium and your value is the 20% you know, wear differential. And so we want to say it's not just the dollars per year, but it's that business disruption. It's the crappy looking carpet, you know, right near the end. And it's having our, our offices look bad. How much is that worth? How much is that worth? And when you have that same value, but you walk the customer through all kinds of different aspects of that wearing premium, suddenly there's more and more stuff in that pan and that 20% price premium becomes unimportant. When it was only dollars per year that the customer was thinking about, now my competitor can change that what's in the pan by discounting by one or 2%. But when Mm. I've added all that stuff about the business disruption, there's nothing the competitor can do anymore. So now you don't have to discount because you sold so much value that the customer no longer cares about price. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 honestly, yeah. I mean, I've I've read things and and I just know from experience, I mean, dis- buying decisions are rarely made on 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 lowest price. <laughs> you no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, going back to the carpet example. Now, if you discovered that the carpet is just in a conference room, well, now that business disruption is really not very meaningful because I'm going to just change the carpet in the conference room over the weekend. I'm going to work. I'm going to ask my people to work a little overtime. So that value to that particular customer at that moment in that instance was negligible. So maybe there is a reason to discount when it's going into only conference rooms. So, but if you discount every single deal as if it's always conference rooms, that's where I start to get heartburn. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even you know more to the point there, if if that's the value that you bring, then you shouldn't be selling deals that are you know focused on conference rooms mostly. You should be trying to find more deals that you know have a twenty four seven three sixty five customer service that they will be willing to pay for the value that you bring. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to start selling. You're going to start a whole marketing campaign towards call centers. Right. And maybe hotels. Right. Because taking a hotel room out of service can be a a big profit thing. But certainly, um, and then maybe um, high-end tech offices because they want to have a really great environment for their workers and shabby carpet in those places costs them something, you know, there costs them some ego or something. So again, you you look for the customers that value yours, starting with cost with call centers, and then you're seeing who else cares. What else do I need? Right. Right. 
right? Where most people would just think, hey, we sell carpet. Everybody needs carpet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, Mark, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed this topic and, and having you come on. Any final thoughts, uh, anything that you want us to share in the show notes, any links or anything like that we're gonna, that we're going to include that we can let the sales hustlers know about? You know, I am always happy to help anybody with a deal. Um, give me a call. So the show, you know, my contact information will be in the show notes uh, or at mark at boundyconsulting.com. I am happy to help. I love helping people become more successful. That's why I became a consultant and an author. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. We'll include all that in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out, and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell, and if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.